0: On entering the Titanic Museum, we are greeted with a wall that it gives a little bit of a background to some of the scenario at the time, and the decline of rural economy coincided with the growing prosperity of Belfast, and women moved to Belfast for more independence and higher earnings, and between 1851 and 1901, Belfast population increased from 87,000 approximately to about 350,000, and during the famine, people came to Belfast to find work. So, flax has been used to make linen For thousands of years and this involved a series of processes, many of which were carried out in the linen mills of Belfast. Belfast was the linen capital of the world and during the 19th century people flooded into Belfast to work in the new linen mills and by 1900 Belfast was producing and exporting more linen than anywhere else in the world, making linen from country to town. In the early 19th century The first section that we walk through gives an explanation of the process for linen and some of the history of the linen mills and how it provided employment right across the Ulster countryside and in 1711 a linen board was established to direct the development of the linen industry. New methods were introduced and better seeds were imported and 40% of the linen was exported through Belfast. In 1868 there were nearly three-quarters of a million flax plex- spinners in Belfast, and there were 500,000 flax spinning spindles in Belfast in 1862.
1: In the prairies of central Canada,
2: it possesses some of the most valuable wheat producing lands. In the grasslands of the interior of Australia, the best pasture country, and in the uplands of South Africa, the most valuable gold and diamond bearing beds. It is an empire whose geographical
1: distribution means that its principal lands are separated from each other by the great oceans of the world. And so, it's also an empire built on maritime trade. The backbone of the empire is the Royal Navy's dominion over international trade routes.
0: So I'm looking at a wall and it gives a list of uh, some of the companies that were in Belfast uh, that had an impact in the world. There was Musgrave and Company, the Sirocco Works, uh, there was Textile Engineering, uh, Belfast Rope Works Company, the tobacco industry was also strong, and of course, Whiskey, and uh, manufacturers, as say, uh, the water of life, Ishgabaha. And the largest whiskey manufacturing in Belfast was Dunville & Company who opened the Royal Irish Distillery in 1870. The Irish Distillery at Conswater and the Avenille Distillery were also major producers. Cantrell & Cochrane then established uh, the soft drinks industry and in the mid-1800s there were several small firms producing aerated waters. Two of the largest as they were Cantrell and & Cochrane and W.A. Ross & Company. So the world was changing rapidly in the late 19th century and emigration produced one of the greatest recorded movements of humanity and at the same time faster ships and new ways of communicating made the world smaller. In the first decade of the 20th century, over 8 million Europeans emigrated to North America and New York was the main gateway to the new life. Most immigrants looked for a better standard of living, poverty and lack of land, adventure and the opportunity, were all the reasons to leave. Letters home to relatives painted or wrote a picture of their new life. North America welcomed immigrants as skilled workers for its industrial cities and farmers for its prairies. people were free to practice their religious and political beliefs. Better-off immigrants could afford to travel on White Star and Cunard's express services from Southampton. By 1910, the city was one of Europe's main departure points along the ports in Germany and Italy. By the 1900s, there were two main competitors for the North Atlantic passenger trade: the White Star Line, bought by American millionaire J. Pierre Fort Morgan and his International Mercantile Marine Group, and in 1902, the British-owned Cunard Line. The race to build a larger, faster, more luxurious ships intensified with White Star's ambitious plans to build three Olympic class ships. When the Olympic class ships were commissioned, Horn and Wolf was one of the largest and most successful shipyards in the world and it employed thousands of Belfast men. So to build the Olympic class ships, a new gantry was constructed and the steel gantry crane system serviced the slip rails, where the ships were built. Uh, The gantry was a massive overhead structure which carried a system of cranes and and travelling frames. Electric elevators and walkways provided access to the ships and to the gantry itself. And the gantry extended across two shipways where both Olympic and Titanic would be built.
1: Built for a ship that hadn't even been built yet. A footman here is in service. He keeps it himself, James. I'm sorry, Mr. Harrison, it, it didn't say any precise. I was merely speculating. You may have speculated more accurately than you realized. I did. I, of course, was privileged to accompany the gentleman to the smoking room. They are indeed proposing a new generation of ocean <laughs> liners. <laughs> big ships, Mr. Harrison. The largest and most luxurious ever. Not so fast as Cunard's Lusitania, but half as big again. More to the liking of the upper crust. Three, I think they said. Beats me where they find this sort of money from. That's the clever part, James. Mr. Ismay has the backing of the distinguished American financier John Pierpont Morgan through his shipping firm, the International Mercantile Marine Company. But I thought he built
3: British ships.
1: They fly the British flag, James, and they shall be constructed in our finest shipyard by our most skilled craftsmen, Great Leviathans, acting as ambassadors for the Empire.
0: By 1910, many large ships had radio, passengers sent and received messages known as Marconiograms, and captains reported on progress and conditions at sea. Marconi company staff ran the ship's radio room and wireless operators turned messages into the Morse code by translating each letter of the alphabet into a series of dots and dashes. Telegraph keys were sent to the code by creating a circuit when depressed allowing electricity to flow and using three keys an experienced operator could send over 20 words a minute. In the early 1600s, Belfast had a port where the rivers Lagan and Carson met, the port became increasingly important for trade by the early 1700s. And it was the leading port in the north of Ireland. And as trade expanded, the quays were enlarged to accommodate more ships. However, shallow waters, bends in the river channels, and inadequate quays were restricting growth. So by 1785, the Ballast port was formed to manage and improve the port and harbour. And in the mid-1800s, the Lagan was straightened, and the Crown. Victoria Channel was created to improve access. The earliest record of ships being built in Belfast is from 1663. Shipbuilding as a major industry began in 1791 when William Ritchie established his works on the lagon and at this time ships were built from wood. In 1838 the first iron vessel was built in Belfast and this was a Loch Ney steamer, the Countess of Caledon. In the second half of the 19th century, Belfast became renowned for constructing iron and metal steel ships. We've arrived on the fourth level from the ground floor and it gives some indication of the scale of what must have been. Um, they, for the workers at the time, given that it was building one of the largest ships in the world, uh, their sense of enormity and everything, the girders and how the whole uh, experience here is is—is uh, um, d- designed, is fascinating.
1: Every day got me to start, then my brothers after me, you could hear the noise from where we lived, but nothing prepared you for the size of the place. They put me to work on 401, that's what we called her. It used to be the largest passenger ship in the world, but we didn't call her Titanic then. I was there from the beginning. I watched the ship race the keel blocks. They sent big wooden blocks on the slipway to start with. Then the keel that top with it, like a backbone. And the frames that touched through that like a skeleton. Workshops everywhere. It took weeks to find your way around. The workshops for every trade you ever heard of. Inters, sale makers, coppersmiths, boilermakers, cabinet makers. I even learned a bit about French policy of them. Barlet Roof is a fine place to work, but dangerous. Every ship cost a life, and there'd be lots of injuries to save. I was in the engine works for a while. Very well equipped it was. That's where we built the triple expansion engines. Two of them. Each has a three-story house. I worked on the frame bending shop. You'd heat steel beams in the furnace, then hit them on the slabs that cast iron, and hammer them curved. It was still work. You had to blend them more than you needed, because the frame straightened out a little it through. The shell plates that made up a hull weighed up to four and a half tons. Huh. They were taller than the da. The plates were overlapped on the edges, some were raised, one after another. We called it Flencher. One of the four men told me years ago that's how you build these ships. I worked as a heater boy. You had to heat the rivets on a wee plate. You pump the bellows till the rivet was white hot. Then you get a hold of it with your tongs and throw it up to the catcher. And he put it in the hole in the plate and the hold her up. There were two of us on the other side of the plate to the holder up. We had the hammer there of it so it filled the hole before it turned dull red. The double bottom. That's a wee space we called the tanks, made up of steel plates. The rest of the river squad all had to fit into that gap. One of the four men would check each other with a special hammer. It made a ringing sound. It had to get back. Chased it out afterwards. I'd get scared working down in that double bottom. You only had candles for lights. And the constant hammering against the shells weights. You could hear it all over
4: Belfast.
1: Some of those boys ended up stone deaf, so they
4: did.
1: We were we paid 31 ball a week, the heater boy and catcher got 16 ball. But we all worked the same 54 hours.
4: The upper deck was steel too,
1: and part of the strength of the ship, there's no straight lanes on the ship. And when you look down the weather deck, you could see the shear of the hull was stopped for flexing its boot. The stern frame had to be strong enough to take the rudder turning in heavy seas. You'd have all these timbers and guy wires to steady the frame, and men scurrying around like ants underneath. When came to launch day, I was torn between pride and fear. The standing waves were coated in tallow, oil, and soft soap. So the ship would slide, and the shifted her weight off the blocks. That was the most dangerous part, and the shipwrights were knocking away the last props. They were under compression, you see, and the sliding waves would be released by the hydraulic trigger. One hundred thousand people watched the launch. Some paid a bob to sit in the reserve seating. There were extra trams laid on. Then we all went off to the pub to wish her well. Doc, you were proud to be an island man that day. Okay, Tommy, was afraid proud of Belfast.
2: Building Titanic was a feat of engineering. Harland and Wolff employed 15,000 men at that time, many of whom worked on Titanic over the 26 months it took to construct the hull for launch. At the Harland and Wolff shipyard in Belfast, there was a 6,000 tonne structure which was over 200 feet high. It was known as the Arrol Gantry. The gantry was constructed to house two massive ships that were being built for the White Star Line. It supported the giant cranes that lifted materials and equipment into the ship's hull using steel and rope slings made on-site by the yard's rigging teams. Housed in the Arl gantry was a Harland and Wolfe ship with the yard number 401. It became known the world over as Titanic, the largest passenger liner in the world to a okay. Titanic's construction began with the keel being placed on a series of wooden blocks laid on the slipway. These were made of pitch pine and were stacked about four feet high with angled wedges on top. On these were laid the first steel plates. The plates were strengthened on the bottom by a flat slab keel bar which protected the bottom of the ship. On top of the steel plates, a six-foot-high solid spine was led, which ran the length of the ship and was known as the vertical keel. The vertical keel had a rigid rib of plates which ran along its spine. At the base was Titanic's double bottom. Here the hull was made up of two layers of steel plates, in some cases forming enclosed tanks and coal bunkers. Along the hull were the steel frames that made up the skeleton of the ship. The frames were curved to give the hull its shape, and were positioned between two and three feet apart. The ship's frames started out as straight bars. These were heated in a furnace, then hooked out onto slabs of cast iron, where they were hammered into the required shape against an iron mould. The frames tended to straighten slightly as they cooled, so the frame benders gave it a little. more curve than needed and hammered it into the finished shape before it was too cool to bend. Lowering the frames into place was a dangerous process until they had been firmly joined up by the horizontal girders called stringers which locked them into position. Then the shell plates that made up the hull were riveted onto the outside. The shell plates on the hull of Titanic were 30 feet long and were laid in two ways. At the sides, the shell plates were alternately sunken and raised, known as inner and outer strakes. At the bottom of the hull, the plates were attached using the clinker method, where each plate overlaps the previous. Every plate had to be riveted in place, which was partially mechanised and partially done by hand by riveting squads. The riveters worked in teams of five. On one side of the plate, the iron rivets were heated on a portable hearth by the heater boy. Using tongs, he threw the rivet to the catch boy, who placed it in the hold for the holder up, who held the head in place with a hammer. On the other side of the plate, two men worked with hammers to fit the rivet tightly into a pre-punched hole, then chipped off the surplus material. To make the process quicker, the best teams used one left-handed and one right-handed riveter. They then marked each finished row with chalk. The deck beams were made steel, which were then plated over to form the decks. The exterior decks were clad in yellow pine and caulked so they remained waterproof. The decks were arched, known as camber, so that any water would run to the channel waterway and drain overboard. The wooden decks were mostly lead and pine and were secured to the steel plating beneath by bolts. The decking ran lengthways parallel to the center line of the ship. The stern of the ship were massive castings that supported Titanic's rudder and propeller shafts. These were made off-site by the Darlington Forge Company. The centre propeller shaft passed through part of the cast that supported the rudder. It was known as the stern frame and was the hinge which allowed the rudder to steer the ship. The outer propellers were held clear of the hull by propeller bosses. The rudder was built of six steel sections. The rudder frames had to be enormously strong to withstand the force of the rudder turning in heavy seas.
0: According to the Belfast Telegraph, June 1st, 1911, the vessels mark a new epoch in naval architecture, in size, construction, and equipment. They represent the last word in the science. Launch in May
5: 1911 was watched by an estimated 100,000 people. Almost a year of fitting out followed, transforming the massive hull into the sumptuously appointed liner described by the White Star Line as the Queen of the Ocean. By March 1912, Titanic was ready for her maiden voyage. For Belfast, the triumphant culmination of many years planning and labor. Before she could be handed over, Titanic had to undergo sea trials. On the 2nd of April 1912, she carried out a series of maneuvers in open water under the watchful eye of Board of Trade Inspector Francis Carruthers. Then. At 8 p.m. that evening, she departed Belfast for Southampton. She was preceded by a considerable weight of expectation. At Southampton, the White Star Line had already constructed the massive deep-water ocean dock, covering almost 16 acres and dredged to a depth of 40 feet. England's premier passenger port was flourishing, with new shops, restaurants and businesses opening to service the growing passenger trade. And job opportunities on board ship and in the docks brought migrants from all over Britain and Ireland. Almost 400 of Titanic's crew lived in Southampton's northern district. A national coal strike had left several ships laid up in dock, and the prospect of a job on Titanic was a welcome relief for crewmen who managed to sign up. On April 5th, Titanic was dressed in her signal flags and pennants as a good Friday tribute to the people of Southampton who had welcomed her. By April 10th, the ship had been fully provisioned, including 75,000 pounds of fresh meat, 40,000 eggs, 1,000 sweet breads, and 8,000 cigars. At 7 a.m., Captain Edward John Smith came aboard the Titanic to prepare for the Board of Trade muster at 8. Around 9.30, The first passengers arrived on the boat train from London Waterloo. By late morning all the passengers and crew were aboard, minus two firemen who were delayed in a public house and missed the departure. At noon on April 10th, bang on time and fully expecting to be in New York within a few days, the Titanic sounded her whistle and cast off her lines.
0: was wishing to relax on deck uh, steamer chairs with woolen rugs could be hired at a charge of four shillings each When a first class passenger Frank Brown disembarked at Queenstown during the voyage from Southampton he was befriended by an American couple who offered his passage on to New York in return after sending off a wireless message to his superiors seeking permission he received the response get off that ship the second class passenger, Jan- John James Lamb, was travelling from Glen Cree, in County, Wicklow, to Providence, Rhode Island. Lamb engaged in the theatrical business. had travelled to and from the United States several times and he gave his age as 30. An occupationist gentleman paid 10 pounds fourteen shillings two pence, plus another 10 shillings for his contract ticket. And the third class passenger, Eugene Patrick Daly, played Erin's Lament and The Nation once again on his Elon pipes. From the stern as the Titanic of Queenstown daily. A farm labourer from Athlone was on his way to New York in search of well paid work. He was a crew member. Fireman John Coffey deserted from the Titanic at Queenstown. He signed on the Cunard liner uh, Mauritania. Shortly afterwards, it was reported that he had forebodings about the ship and more likely was homesick and wished to visit his family in Queenstown. 1905 was the first million passenger year on the North Atlantic. Titanic and her sisters were planned to monopolize this growing tide of migration. And without mass migration, Titanic and passenger ships like her would never have been constructed. 2nd class traffic was considered a financial bonus by the company the Titanic had a maximum 3rd class passenger capacity for 1,134 3rd class was accommodated in open berths, dormitory style, or in rooms for 4, 6 passengers a typical 3rd class ticket would cost around £24 equivalent today at about £1,152 3rd class passengers embarked in Titanic, 706 of them. The majority at Southampton. There were uh, 410 farms, 183 British and 113 Irish passengers on board. Before Titanic migration was almost exclusively one way going west. And Eastbound migration dramatically increased year on year from the early 1900s and a typical Irish migrant would be well-educated, travelling alone or with friends, possessed a skill that was labouring farming and aged between 17 and 25, planned to work and save enough money to return to Ireland after five plus years. But before they could travel, all persons travelling in third class had to submit to an interview and a medical and an eye examination. And each passenger in third class was issued with an inspection card and it was bearing a stamp by the U.S. consulate, approved, medical officer approved, and that they had a vaccination against smallpox. And if there was no card, you got no passage. And all third-class passengers experienced high standards of service, and they were assigned a seat and a table, and served by uniformed stewards. And provided with their own bedding. The fuller of the Titanic disaster was revealed when Carpathia docked in New York
4: late on April
0: 18th. Much by a crowd of 30,000, Carpathia arrived at Pier 54 at 9.30. She had already dropped off Titanic's lifeboats, which later mysteriously disappeared And anxious families, many of whom had besieged the White Star office for news, waited among the crowd. Some passengers were happy. To talk to the British about their experience. The time they spent in a small boat after those noble, heroic men went down were hours of torture. It was claimed that everyone could have been saved that there had there been enough lifeboats. Headlines in the world's uh, newspapers The Daily Graphic, uh, Titanic Sunk, Appalling Loss of Life, that was on the 16th of April uh, to the British public. And uh, then there was. Uh, badly damaged. 15th of April news races to Belfast. The news of of a Titanic collision quickly spread and it didn't take long for its birthplace Belfast to pick up the story. The latest uh, pride of the Harland and Wolf shipyard was immediately front page news in the Belfast Evening Telegraph led with the story just hours after the disaster had happened. Told of Belfast people working on board who they were and what were their jobs, even though it was reported that in the newspaper that everyone was safe, anxious families made inquiries to White Star and Harm the Wolf They wanted reassurance. Their loved loved ones were... On the 15th of April, there were confused reports before radio and television the press was the only way to deliver breaking stories and popular newspapers produced several editions a day. Six o'clock edition of The Lowell Sun made space on its front page for the actual disaster alongside reports of small council wranglings in Massachusetts baseball. By seven o'clock edition, Titanic was centre page. By now, it was believed the liner was sinking and both the edition assumed that all passed were safe. Famous names were already featuring including the millionaire, Alfred A. Vanderbilt. It later turned out that he had cancelled his trip. Only 32% of all those on board the Titanic survived the castery and passenger survivors outnumbered the crew. 1,512 of the 2225 passengers on board perished and some were repatriated, but most were in fact in the water grave. 93 three percent were adults and seven percent were children.
4: Did you look down the staircase?
0: Hundred and sixty children travelled on board the Titanic and seventy-five children survived. Eighty-five died.
1: It was more than rushing it, it was falling in.
0: And of the two thousand and sixty five adults on board, thirty-one percent
4: survived.
3: And sixty nine percent died
5: the and he says,
3: Seventy eight percent male, twenty two percent female. You have enough an hour
1: to live. That's Mr. Andrews, he said, keep it to yourselves and there were a total of eight hundred and thirty-seven male passengers
0: on board and only one hundred and sixty-three survived. Well,
4: if you
1: landed your life, put
0: your belt on. Of the four hundred and sixty five female passengers on board, three hundred and thirty six survived and one hundred and twenty nine died.
1: That is
0: 2,225 passengers and crew traveled on the maiden voyage.
1: 321
0: passengers <inaudible> were in first class, 62% of the first class passengers survived, a total of 200 people.
3: 270 of the passengers were second class,
0: and that took a heavy loss, only 44% of second class passengers survived and the class with the worst fatality and most important was third class and out of a total of 700 in salt 530 were lost 77% of the 921 strong crew went out of the ship pastors and crew embarked and disembarked were fourth was Belfast, Southampton, Sherbrooke and finally Queenstown
4: they were all sitting squatting down on the (laughs) deck.
0: I'm in the Titanic wreck and debris field room and I'm standing on a last floor looking down as if I were in a submersible, traveling over the Titanic. And it's a surreal experience on the screen above. Uh, so, uh, looking back down and seeing the various parts, and you can hear the commentary in the background. And it is unbelievable, it's pretty cool. Um, definitely a, a, an experience here in every respect. That's a strange
5: box line there. A heater for first class. It's out of place. You
4: only get third class in this part of the
0: ship. Continuing on down to the Ocean Exploration Center, and the Titanic is at 3,798 meters, the wreck, and. Um, <coughs> In that zone uh, you're looking at no sunlight reaches this layer although there are a surprising variety of creatures which live in this cold dark environment bioluminescence luminescence is used to communicate to attract prey and as a defense mechanism this room it shows the map where the Tenhennig was sailing en route and where the, it sank to a depth of 3,798 metres at latitude 41, 43, 57 and longitude 49, 56, 49 and uh, that would have been south of Newfoundland and in uh, New the ocean. Walking through the exhibition and the experience there is the opportunity to go outdoors and stand in the area where the Titanic was built and get a sense of the scale of this and the enormity of the task and see it in the environment of the valley with the lagging and the hills, Cape Hill on one side and uh, I would take it some the the hills on the right I'm not sure uh, but Certainly on this beautiful, glorious sunny day in May, uh, beautiful scenery, beautiful place, not to be missed. I want to thank the Titanic experience for... uh, allowing me the privilege of this experience and allowing me to share it with you and I do hope that when you come to Ireland that you include Northern Ireland on your trip. We are going to include today also uh, from here there is also uh, the next component of it which is the SS Nomadic. Um, We will be moving from the Titanic to the Nomadic and pick up our story there. When you walk out the north door of the Titanic experience, you arrive on what would have been the area where the Titanic was built, and it is laid out with the shape, the design, so you can actually walk along a, a i suppose it's a dock and um, get a sense of how big this ship was. I'm walking past, I see where the lifeboats would have been part over the deck and walking uh, towards the water, towards the lagon, which is where the ship would, when the launch happened, the direction that it would have been sent out into the lagon. And uh, from here you're looking back, uh, you're looking out on the ocean uh, into the, the uh, harbour and looking back you're looking back on Belfast and this imposing figure uh, of a building which replicates the hull of the Titanic uh, is so impressive in its uh, size and its whole stature in the area to the left as I look towards the building uh, the Harlan and Wolf, uh, is symbol is still on the um, gantry that is over across on that side and on my right uh, it's still very much an active harbor and uh, the city of Belfast then is behind that continuing to walk towards the water um, coming down a few steps which very much replicate what it would be like were you on the front of a ship and coming out to the front bow, the bow and uh, rail, as you would see on a ship. So again, you get that sensation because this is very much an experience. And I now look back and uh, see this beautiful, beautiful structure uh, that commemorates a very sad moment in history, but a very powerful feat of engineering. The
3: SS Nomadic like The Belfast uh, it had been acquired by the Department for Social Development
0: uh, The Department wanted to create a trust to, to develop the project
4: and the
2: most difficult aspect of these projects is trying to get sufficient funding oh uh, We've had to raise over 8 million pounds of funding to be able to present the nomadic to the public in its proper state in its fifth and proper state and uh, that takes time, yeah. it takes effort
3: I was given the job of organising volunteers to come and work on board, and, uh, she was towed down to, to the Sioux Harlow with Key Quay, very far down the line. After the volunteers were organised, uh, we eventually met the Harlow, it was such a joy getting on board her. at that particular time, people, people literally cried, it was unbelievable, it was their response. And um, we eventually got on board and uh, started the clear out all the old furniture and the rubbish, of course. and was treated uh, like a dumping ground because everyone thought she was going for scrap. So, why not instead of throwing it into a skip bar or something like that? They just threw it on the board in the manic. People literally had made their bins on the manic. It was really horrendous. When the ship arrived in Belfast, I was asked to get you know, to get involved because of my experience as a naval architect and uh, to, to give some advice on uh, the state of the ship and uh, you know, how we should look after it initially when, when you was still afloat once we got started the work and we found out that the hull was in quite good condition with only some Maybe local repairs, although quite extensive repairs required to be carried out, it became clear as to what could be made of the, of the ship that it just wasn't as bad as it first looked. The first contract, the Highland
6: Wolf contract but the first thing they had to do was design of it and they had some drawings to go on and they had some photographs and a very good French book but they were also able to bring to the table some of the original Titanic and, and Olympic drawings particularly they have they a fair set of those and the ship construction between Olympic and pneumatic and Titanic would have been similar and not identical so the first phase of their job was to do the design although most people will see now the superstructure has been restored inside, inside the ship there was a lot of the structure which was stripped out Create that in order to hold up the, um, up the superstructure and that was a fair process because the, um, the manufacturing techniques that are available now are the same as they were 100 years ago so we had to design uh, the, the uh, restoration that could be manufactured by today's techniques but based on old processes and once that was agreed then we asked them to well, they continued on with their contract to actually restore the superstructure and they started by replacing the inside structure and then they installed the bridge deck and, and the, uh, the flying bridge deck and the things you see now one of the steps that we took at the time was to enclose the ship because the, the, the precious bit there's um, particularly the first and second toss areas and the upper deck as where all the, the fine areas and originally the ship didn't have a um, a steel seal on it. No, it was, it was uh, an open top box, if you like, which is sealed on the top by wooden decking. And we took the step to put on a steel deck there uh, rather than have a risk and damage to the inside of the ship. And that, that's, that's, that's something that's not quite original, but it's, uh, it's been done to, to protect the ship in, in future years. Welcome to the modern
4: And Our many how many did the vessel existence? First and yeah.
1: second class passengers oh. were tendered, taxied mm-hmm. out on this vessel on the when I was going to Sherboard, the Titanic was too big. She wasn't going to fit into Portugal. are the wolf built two smaller vessels. First and second on this vessel, third, it was on the traffic just down below. And nobody had ever seen this level of luxury on a tender ship before. It came to the ornate flooring, next to your first class, the second class was quite big. Even we the of course the and the carvings, of the doors. We even downstairs. You see the original portion of orange, the storage? East, These doors here are the original. You see come Make your way around this vessel here. we start up here. Here's the tarp